The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special off-season edition, host George Templeton reviews what's been happening since the last time the Rams hit the court. And now, here's George. Welcome to Rams Rewind as we get ready for season 2023-2024. And if you like what you hear and you want to help us out, there is a link in the description and Pawn Podbean and your other various podcast platforms to donate to a PayPal that helps us. We really appreciate all the support you gave us last season in 2022-2023. And if you're inclined to do it again for this next season, we would really, really appreciate it. We thank you so much, our listeners, for supporting this podcast that we continue to do. And thanks to, my, to the efforts of my fantastic producer, we have a very special guest joining us today on this episode. Our very special guest has been an assistant at South Florida, Furman, UNC Asheville, American, Virginia Tech, and Charlotte. He then was the interim head coach in 2015 at Charlotte, became the head coach at Lenore Ryan in 2016, spent five very successful years at Maryland, Baltimore County, and then has spent the last two years at Utah State. He is Ryan Odom, our new head basketball coach at Virginia Commonwealth University, and we are very honored to have him on. Thank you for coming on, Coach Odom. Welcome to Rams Rewind. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, I want to start with this. You are the son of Dave Odom, the outstanding Wake Forest and South Carolina coach. So you grew up in the business. But one thing about Dave Odom that was interesting, he was a very successful assistant coach as well. And you had a lot of stops as an assistant coach. Yeah. Uh, South Florida, Furman, UNC Asheville, American, Virginia Tech, Charlotte. What did Coach Odom, your dad, tell you know, impress upon you about being a, a high-quality assistant coach? And what did you learn being an assistant coach at all those places? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is, is you know, uh, who you work for is really important, right? And I've, I've been very fortunate, you know, during my career to work for you know, great mentors, great coaches, guys that, you know, understand and make it all about, you know, the players. Uh, they never made it about themselves. They It was all about how can we help our guys, you know, each player on the team, and they're all, you know, different level players, and some are leading scorers and some don't get in the game, you know, but, you know, how can we help them to have the best experience possible, Um how can we mentor them at a key time in their life, um, you know, to help them grow as people and players and, and teammates? And certainly I learned something different at every stop. Uh, but one of the things my dad always talked to me about, you know, because when you're initially you're a young assistant coach, you're, you're, you know, you're trying to learn as much as you can. You're trying to, you know, advance at times and, and you know, sometimes too fast, quite honestly. And uh, a lot of it re revolves around recruiting, right? And, and, and how you're going to impact your current team, you know, through recruiting. 
And one of the things my dad always talked to me about was, hey, you better learn to coach the game. And, you know, recruiting's great. And obviously it's the lifeblood of any program. You have to have the players uh, in order to win. But it, that's a lot more complex than, than folks realize, you know, in terms of recruiting the right type of player, you know, that fits your style and fits your school, you know, and fits within the confines of your current roster. There's a lot of things that go into that. And, you know, but the biggest thing is, is how can you help guys get better, you know, and, and develop them, you know, over, you know, your time with them. And so that was one thing that he impressed upon me. Um, you know, I, I really viewed him as a, a player development coach. He was obviously very good in the games too. He was able to make adjustments and, and, you know, get his guys to believe and, uh, you know, certainly won his fair share of games and championships, but more than anything, you know, his favorite part of coaching was in being in the gym, you know, with his guys. And, and certainly I've tried to, you know, take that part of, you know, him, you know, and, and, and do that, you know, wherever I've been. Did you have a variety of roles? I mean, these days there seems to be oh, essentially yeah. offensive and defensive coordinators for for uh, on coaching staffs. Did you did you change from one side to the other, or was it just mainly a player development thing for you as an assistant? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when you're young, you start out as kind of a GA, you know, and and certainly I started out that way at South Florida with you know Seth Greenberg, and so I was able. I was the same age as the guys, you know, at that point. And one thing kind of stays the same, uh, you know, as you get older, the players stay kind of right in that same range of age as you begin to separate, you know, from them. And, uh, and so, you know, different stops, you know, I had different responsibilities and, you know, some were more heavy recruiting, uh, some were more, you know, on campus recruiting, uh, some were more scouting, you know, based. And, you know, I've really kind of done it all, um, you know, at each spot. And that's really helped me grow as a coach, you know, over the course of my time in college coaching. And it's helped me help my assistants as well, um, because I've done the majority of the jobs, you know, uh, that it takes to, to, to run a successful basketball program. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been fun, you know. It's been fun for me to to, to coach in college, and and certainly re extremely rewarding to have the relationships that we've had. In 2015, you're at Charlotte, and you get what is for a lot of people a unique experience. You have to step up and be the interim coach, and usually yeah. in that situation, it's it's usually not an ideal situation. Sometimes it's a coach being fired. In your case, in Charlotte, your head coach had to step aside because of health reasons. What did that experience teach you about coaching and how did that get you ready to be, to step up and become a head coach for good? Yeah. I mean, that, that obviously was, you know, devastating for all of us, you know, that were involved in the program at the time because, you know, our leader was sick at that point and thankfully it wasn't anything life threatening, but it was a situation where he needed to step aside for a little bit. And, uh, and it happened on two different occasions. And, um, you know, during that, that year, one out of season, one in season. And, and certainly you grow up fast, you know, at that point. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly was, you know, honored to, to step in and, and, and step into that role, you know, for an interim basis. 
And it certainly helped me and the other staff members grow uh, as coaches during that time. Uh, our players, you know, were great, you know, for us. We didn't win as much as we wanted to, but, um, you know, our players, you know, did a good job in, in, in a tough situation. And, uh, you know, certainly I, I reach back at times to that uh, time in my life. And, and certainly there was growth, you know. Uh, and, and if you really think about it, when, when adversity hits, right, that's where the growth is. Uh, if you really dive into it. And I think all of us really dove into it at that point. And we certainly didn't have the success that we all had hoped for, but at the same time, you know, we don't have any regrets either. Um, and, and, and I, I really do believe it helped me, you know, in my next opportunity. Um, it wasn't the first time I'd held the board, you know, in a timeout as the head coach. It wasn't my first time I gave a speech where all eyes are on, on you uh, you know, as you're, you're getting ready for, you know, a, a game or a practice or whatever. And so it certainly was valuable experience for me. So one year at Lenore Ryan, very successful, almost got to the final eight in the division two tournament. And then you go to UMBC and of course, very successful there, multiple years in the postseason. Everybody talks about the NCAA tournament and win, but one of the things, the, the, the game, the thing I want to focus on from your UMBC experience was the game before UVA. Because one of the things that was, that's was that been frustrating for VCU is these crunch games, big games I'm talking about against Power 5 teams in, in those in-season tournaments, NCAA tournaments, winning those games that has a chance to make your program. And you played Vermont in the final. The Retrievers hadn't beat them up there for 20 years and hadn't beat them anywhere for 10, lost 23 in a row, and you had four days off between winning your semifinal and that game, how did you get the team mentally ready and believing that they could win and believing that they could win even when they got down, you know, with seven, eight, or nine a couple different times in the game? For me, that's that's the game that makes UMBC, makes your season, and that's the kind of game that VCU needs to win if they want to get back and want to advance as a program, to win those kind of games where it's against you, and yet you find you found a, you found a way to win and slay, and really slay a big mental hurt, mental dragon there. So so tell me about that week and that particular game and how you guys got it done there. Yeah, I mean, I've coached so many games since that one. It's hard to remember every little detail, but you know I certainly do remember. You know we went our our semifinal game. I believe it was against Hartford, and uh, that was a crazy game. Um, and uh, and we ended up you know, moving on to the championship. But I think that really the prep, you know, we had, we had, we had gotten to a point, you know, we had talked about, you know, playing for a championship. Right. And, you know, when we first went to UMBC, uh, you know, there was very little hope, right. It was seven straight 20 loss seasons. Uh, not a lot of hope in that locker room, not a lot of, uh, you know, uh, visual success. And what I mean by that is, we didn't have, you know, a final four, you know, uh, court on our wall like we have here at, at, at VCU. We didn't have the championships, you know, that we have here at VCU year after year after year. Um, and what we did have was one, you know, year in 2008 where UMBC won, you know, the America East and went on to the tournament, played Georgetown and lost. And I think the next year they won the 
regular season, but didn't didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. And so we did have that success to kind of look back on. And so one of the first things we did you know, when we went there was, you know, we, we celebrated that 2018 with graphics all around, you know, our locker room because I wanted our guys to see that, uh, the joy that those guys had in a UMBC uniform. I wanted them to feel like, hey, we can do this too. They did it way back. We can do it too. So that was really the first step. And then the work, obviously, you know, each and every day, pushing for that and, and fighting for that, you know, was really an important part of it. And we had our ups and downs, like, like every team. Um, we opened our brand new arena in the middle of the season that year. And I was a little bit nervous about that because we were like 11 and 0 in the rack. And obviously it was decided way back, you know, it was a construction mm-hmm. issue and it, things were delayed. So we were hoping to open game one, but in it, we ended up opening in the middle of the year and they planned it to where it was the Vermont game, <laughs> right? And so Vermont was coming to town and, you know, it was one of those, there was just, there was so much going on surrounding that home game because it was the first home game ever in that new arena. And we were playing an opponent that we hadn't beaten in forever uh, who was so good and had been undefeated the year before. Like they didn't lose a game in the conference the year before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was a big, big task and we were in the game and there were moments where we were in the game. Now they ran away from us at the end of the game, but it was pretty quick uh, when they did that down the stretch. And so what I wanted our guys to understand was, hey, at the 11 minute mark or the seven minute mark, I forget exactly what it was, like the score was like four or five points or something like that. And so it was a game and we could play with them. And, you know, the ending was, wasn't great. We missed a ton of open shots. They went zone, whatever, and it didn't go our way. But that was the first step was making sure that our guys understood, like, we could beat this team. Like, we can, we can not only play with this team, but we can beat this team. And so then it was just about the preparation and really dialing in on the things that we needed to do better, all right, and if we were going to have a chance to, chance to win. And – you know, it helps when you have, you know, a player like Jairus Lyles and then, a, a, you know, a group of guys, you know, that really are dialed into one another and are, are competitive. We were playing really good basketball. We were the second seed in the conference for a reason. And, you know, having one more shot at them, uh, our guys were ready and eager for that. And so, quite honestly, I didn't have to say a ton. We were right where we wanted to be in, in terms of having a chance to compete for that game. So after UMBC, you do something that I think is un- kind of unusual these days. You go to a completely different part of the country. You've been in the Mid Atlantic. You're from you're from this from from that region of the country. You went to Hampton, Sydney. You go all the way west to the Mountain West to Utah State. Yeah, that had to be that had to be a a big adjustment. First of all, why did why did you go to Utah State? Why Utah State when you've not you know you've not coached out there, you've not played out there, you've probably not recruited much in that region. And how different was it in terms of things like recruiting and, and dealing with fans and media and those sorts of things than it was to, to coaching in, in the part of the country that you're from and, and that you've been in most of your life? Yeah, I think sometimes you have to challenge yourself, right? You know, to do things, you know, different, you know, and, and you can't really worry about what others think you know, about the decisions that you make. You pray about it, you go with your heart and you try to figure out, um, 
you know, what's the next best right thing or next right thing for you to do with your life. And that was a really hard day having to sit in that locker room and tell UMBC and the players that I loved and the coaches that I loved at the time uh, that we were, we were heading out to Utah state, but Utah state is, is a lot like VCU in that, you know, the tradition of excellence that has existed there over time, uh, you know, is exceptional and, you know, major league coaches, major league players, NBA players, European players, you know, um, just so many positives surrounding that program. And then when you combine that with the fan support that they have and the love and care that they have for their program, what coach wouldn't want to coach there? And I said Mm -hmm. the same thing here at VCU, right? Uh, You want to coach at a place where people really care about what you're doing and they're fired up you know, to see the next group of players that are going to come in, the recruits. They, they want to see players grow while they're here. They want to get to know them uh, while they're here. And, you know, I think, you know, for me personally, it was certainly challenging um, leaving my family and, and close friends. Uh, and it was for my family. But at the same time, we met so many great people out there that we'll be friends with for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, we're very I I walked into a situation um, much like I did at Lenore Ryan where, you know, and UMBC where they were just great kids, you know, great kids that I was fortunate enough to coach. And um, again, we'll have lifelong relationships with all of those folks that we were able to be a part of their lives. And so uh, it was really an easy choice for me. I say an easy choice. It wasn't easy. It was the right choice for me. Uh, to go out there and, and, and attack that. And we were challenged every day. The Mountain West is a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great coaches, great players. There were NBA players in that conference. Um, and, and we were really challenged every night. Um, and it was a lot of fun coaching in the spectrum. And I'm really excited for the next coach there, Coach Sprinkle. He's going to do a great job, uh, you know, at, at Utah State. Um, and we'll forever be connected, you know, to that school. Uh, but this, this, this opportunity, it, it was something that I could not pass up, mm-hmm. you know, coming back here uh, in a place where I grew up, you know, right here in, you know, the state of Virginia, uh, working in, uh, you know, all around the state, working north of here in Baltimore and DC, working south of here in Charlotte and Lenore Rhine, you know, in Furman even. Uh, earlier in my career in South Florida down there. So, I mean, it's like I've surrounded Richmond in a lot of ways, playing mm-hmm. at Hampton, Sydney, growing up in Charlottesville when dad was coaching there. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's the right place for us. And, you know, we're really excited about the opportunity. And again, it's not just an opportunity. It's a major responsibility, you know, that, you know, we, we are excited about because, the tradition of excellence that has existed here for so long, you know, is, is, is something that is exciting, you know, to me and, you know, the fan support that we have here, the people that care about the program, like it's awesome. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've really enjoyed getting to know our players here and, and we're excited to, you know, continue to put this roster together. What excited so many of the fans in our group, was looking at how good the Utah State offense was this past season. 33rd in the country in scoring, 22nd in three-point makes per game, 10th in three-point shooting, 
you know, 16th in offensive efficiency according to Ken Comeroy's statistics. And when I watched a game that I watched, I was watching a game right before I started talking to you this afternoon and watching how your offenses work, your offense worked, at least in this game, it, it kind of felt like what you did to the defensive players was put them for the, through the human version of a paper shredder. You would just screen and screen and cut and screen these, these defenders until you got your team, got the shot that they wanted you know, t- tell us, tell tell our audience about your offense, about the success you had this year on offense, about what we what VCU fans can expect because offense has been a thing that's not been our strong suit. You know, for the past several years, even going you know previous to this, previous to the coach we just had. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we we try to put the other team in a scrambled situation as quickly as we can, and uh, you know, it's our offense is very much you know an NBA European style offense. Um, you know, we have a saying, the open guy is the go-to guy, you know, a lot of times doesn't mean we don't run plays for specific guys, but you know, that, that player is responsible to make the right basketball play and a decision for our team to try to get us the best shot possible. You know, efficiency is something that, you know, we harp on and, and really demand, you know, from our players. Sometimes the defense is better than the offense, right? And uh, and we, you've got to try to find a way, you know, to to make it happen. And um, you know, we drive the ball really hard. We we really work on, you know, uh, stopping when we we get inside the defense and and being confident and when you're open to shoot. And we practice it a lot. You know, I mean, today, just for example, we worked. It was a shooting day. And so we, we did a testing day with our guys so they could get a sense of where they are right now from a shooting perspective. And, you know, you measure, the more you measure, the, the, the better chance you have to improve it. And if you don't measure it, then you have no idea. You just come in and shoot. You have no idea where you're at. And so we, we try to measure what we do and, and help our guys improve. Again, going back to the player, develop, player development aspect of things. But offense is something that, you know, I've, I've always loved to coach, um, you know, it, it's, you know, obviously you, gotta, you have to score the ball to win. And, uh, you know, that's one of the name, it's the name of the game, right? You want to outscore your opponent, but when you combine the, you know, the balance of the two, that's where you, that's where you win championships. And if you have an efficient offense and you have a really efficient defense, now you have to ch- you have a chance to compete for championships and advance in the NCAA tournament, and so that's our goal every year. We don't want to lean one side or the other. We want to be as efficient as we can be on both sides of the ball. There was one thing, one other thing about Utah State's performance this year that 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 had me very happy about you coming here, and that's this is one of my big hobby horses is foul shooting because it's been a it has been a real struggle for VCU since the turn of the century. We've had about two really good foul shooting teams, and the rest of them have been mediocre to sometimes just plain awful. Utah State was 76% from the foul line this year. What is your approach to working on it, getting better at it? Is it something you look for in recruiting? How do you get a team shooting that well from the foul line and, and, and being able to make those foul shots at the end of games when it has to go in so you can win? Yeah, I mean, I think the reps is obviously the biggest thing, right? And and making sure that, you know, the, the, the guys are getting the proper reps that they need to have the confidence to, in those pressure moments, you know, deliver. 
And so we try to put them in those situations during practice, at the end of practice, uh, certainly outside of practice, uh, you know, where, you know, you can you know, run sprints or whatever. You miss one. OK, you got to run a sprint back. Boom. You know, it's just you you try to put them in situations where it's, you know, they have to they feel that pressure a little bit and you cannot replicate exactly that, you know, that you're going to what you're going to feel at those key moments. But, you know, you have to understand that, you know, out the reps outside of practice are really important. And the, the really simple thing, you know, that, you know, is really important is getting the right guys to the free throw line. You know, that's that's one of the reasons we were 76 percent, you know, getting the right guys to the free throw line. You know, guys that are, are really good free throw shooters, you know, you look at our stats, you go up and down it. Like, uh, you know, when, when you're getting fouled at the end of games and you're up and you're trying to just finish the game, well, who's going to the free throw line when they're fouling? Well, you want to make sure it's your best free throw shooter. And a lot of times that was Stephen Ashworth for us. He would go to the line and he's knocking those home. And, uh, and so – that's a really important factor as well that can't be, you know, missed. That's a perfect segue because I know you we're not going to go into who you're trying to get in the transfer portal and all that, but I do want to ask about Stephen Ashworth because he's in there, and he was the player that a lot of fans, fans in my fan group were looking to see if he'd be in the portal. Tell us about Stephen Ashworth, the player, the person. What made him so outstanding for Utah State? How good? How how much did you enjoy coaching him? Yeah, I enjoyed coaching all the guys, you know, at Utah mm-hmm. State, and um, you know, he he's an excellent player. You know, he developed over time, right? He got better every year. You know, he uh, he started out with Coach Smith, and you know, he was kind of a role player for them his freshman year, and then when we came in the second year, you know, he elevated his game and and still came off the bench, but you know, averaged you know eight nine points a game. And then this path, he worked all summer. He got better throughout that sophomore year. He improved and had some big games for us. And then, you know, his senior year, or excuse me, his junior year last year, he elevated it even more and uh, ended up averaging 17 a game and, and you know, was first team all conference and, and just a, a dynamite, dynamite player and a dynamite human being. And uh, so really proud of the successes that, that he had you know, while we were together there. And, um, you know, I'm confident that he'll continue that. And, you know, he has, he has big goals, as do all of our guys. You know, they want to – these kids that suit up, you know, and there's plenty of them right here at VCU right now mm-hmm. that suit up, that want to play in the NBA. And uh, we've had quite a few at VCU do that, you know, over the course of course of time, and there'll be more. And so that's exciting to, as a coach to, to see kids, you know, achieve that and be a part, a small part of that, that success. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's always fun to follow guys, you know, uh, from afar. My last question has to do with the coaching staff. You have two assistants who have been with you since you were at UMBC, Matt Henry and Bryce Crawford. And I definitely yeah. want to hear about them, but a lot of us were understandably excited to hear that Darius Theus, the wonderful player at VCU when he was here is coming back to be part of the coaching staff, you know, tell me about your assistant, about the staff that you put together. Yeah, really excited about the staff. Um, no doubt about it. Um, you know, Matt Henry has been with me since UMBC. He was the first hire 
um, that we made um, outside once, you know, after the NCAA tournament, we lost two assistant coaches to head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. And so he was the first one that we hired outside. He and I met, you know, when I was coaching at Virginia Tech and he was coaching at Georgetown uh, with JT3. And we used to scrimmage every year. And so uh, we became friends. Um, his wife is uh, originally from High Point, And, uh, you know, I'm, obviously I'm from Winston-Salem. And uh, she played basketball at Princeton. And, uh, you know, my wife's from Southern Pines. And so, you know, there's that, that connection that we have there, which is pretty cool. But more than that, he's just a great coach. You know, he's really good, you know, from a scouting perspective. He's awesome on the floor. You know, he's really challenged me as a head coach and helped me be better. And, uh, and, and so we're fortunate that he's, you know, he's back here, uh, back east with us as well. He grew up in Arlington, Virginia, and, and uh, you know, um, went to Sidwell Friends there. And, and, uh, and so he's got that connection, you know, back up in that D.C. area. But, and then Bryce Crawford's been with me since he was a G.A. at Charlotte, so a long time. I think we counted the other day. It's like nine years or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, watching him grow, uh, you know, over the course of that time has been really rewarding for me. Uh, personally, he's, he's not only has he grown professionally, he's grown personally. Uh, he's married. When I first met him, he wasn't married. Now he's married and has three kids. And so, you know, it's just it's really cool to watch. You know him. You know, uh, he's a great husband, a great father, and a great mentor for our players. He's the energizer. You know, for our uh, our team, and always has been. And so, VC for VCU fans out there, you're going to see him. You know, getting after it, he's going to be so excited about the Peppas and and <laughs> everything that's going on. And uh, you know, there's not a shy bone in his body, and uh, he's just a, a, a very pleasant person to be around. But more than anything, he's serious, and he really challenges our guys to improve and get better, and he helps them get better, uh, as does Matt Henry. And so, you know, as I as I began to look at this, and when you know I first accepted the job. You know, I felt it was really important, you know, that we had a connection to the past here at VCU. And you know, I'm the first guy outside of the Shaka Smart Tree, you know, that has had so much success uh, to be hired here. And I, I, did, I wanted to make sure that we didn't lose, you know, that, right? And because ultimately this is all about VCU. This is not about Ryan Odom. It's not about Shaka Smart or Will Wade or Mike Rhodes. It's about VCU and the players that play here. All right. And how can we make it the best that we can possibly make it and without while honoring the past, you know, that we have here. And so what better way to do that, you know, than to bring one of our own back and, you know, to to have Darius Theus here with us, uh, you know, an assistant coaching role now, um, you know, a place where he he meant so much to the program and the program meant so much to him. Right. He sat in that locker room. He he worked on Franklin Street over there in the gym, and you know he didn't he didn't have this beautiful BDC, you know, when he was playing right. And so that connection to the past is really important to me, and it's important to our program. It's important to our players, and you know, to have him here, uh, you know, is, is is certainly a blessing. He and his family, and uh, and, and we're excited to to have him a part you know, a vital part of our program. And, um, and, 
you know, we're excited about the others too that are here. We've I brought, uh, you know, three other folks as well from Utah State. Uh, Kelsey Naki was our uh, director of operations, and she obviously grew up over here as well, and and on the eastern side of the country. And her father's the uh, the Maryland Chris Naki, right? Yeah, Chris Naki, who's the uh, the Maryland voice of the Terps, and. Uh, and so she's just, she keeps us organized, you know, she does everything for us and uh, she's all about the team and, you know, keeps us organized from travel perspective and just daily schedule and, and just all the things that come up, you know, for our guys. And uh, she just does a, a tremendous job. Billy Bales uh, came with us as well. He was player development, um, you know, at Utah State. Um, and here he's going to be the video coordinator for us. And so changing, switching roles. We're going to hire another player development uh, director and hopefully we'll announce that, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then, you know, he, he played for us at Lenore Ryan and was in set in the locker room, you know, so he's one of our former players and, you know, he's, he's excited about, you know, embarking on a coaching career and, and originally from Tennessee and really excited to be here. Uh, Matt, Matt Hart uh, has joined us as our analytics director and Matt was our GA last year at, at Utah State, uh, but he's also um, you know played professionally, uh, played at GW, um, mm -hmm. you know uh, for the Colonials for uh, you know a few years after he transferred from Hamilton. He was a big time D three player and then transferred to GW and and played for GW and then went on to play a couple of years professionally, and just is excited about being a coach. And he coached one year. Uh, you know, up in Buffalo at a division two, uh, with a great coach, a mentor of his, and then, you know, came out, uh, to, with us to, to Utah state. And he's going to be our analytics director here, uh, you know, at VCU. So, you know, that's the current staff, you know, that we have in place. And obviously, you know, Roos is staying here. Jay Wall is staying here as our athletic trainer. And so, you know, we couldn't be more pleased, you know, to have, you know, uh, a, a, an excellent staff for our guys to, to really work with each and every day. Well, this has been great, Coach Odom. Thank you for giving me some of your very valuable time because I know it's got to be a whirlwind still and it's busy and it's recruiting season and it's transfer portal season and all these other things. So I very much appreciate you coming on with us. We here at Rams Rewind believe in shameless self-promotion. So anything you want to plug, social media, anything you've got, VC related that you're going to be doing, you know, that's a public thing. Shoot right here. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really know other, other than, you know, we're, we're just working right now. We're in the gym with our guys, you know, we're, we're recruiting as hard as we possibly can. We're getting organized, you know, for the summer, uh, and making sure our guys finish strong academically, you know, at this point, which, uh, we have the best academic coordinator in the entire country and Sophia, and uh, and so we're we're just we're fired up to be Rams right now. I think that's the biggest thing and appreciative of the opportunity that, you know, Ed has has uh, afforded us. And, uh, you know, we're excited to meet everybody out there for sure. We do have summer camp this summer. I assume we'll be announcing that at some point here pretty soon. You know, the dates and all that kind of stuff. So we look forward to seeing uh, your sons, you know, here or daughters. I don't know if it's male and female. I have no idea. To be honest, <laughs> I haven't looked into that yet. But uh, your young ones, your young ballers, why don't we say that? You know, we'd love to see you over here at our camp. That'll be fun. All right. 
folks, we thank you all for listening. We thank Coach Odom for being on with us. That's that's the new head coach at Virginia Commonwealth University, Ryan Odom. This is Rams Rewind. And until next time, we'll be talking to you. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.